0: Well, good morning. My name is John Allen. Welcome to Risen Church. It's great to see everybody this morning. Um, I uh, got a chance uh, with my wife this past week. We got a chance to step back and uh, take some time and got a chance to really uh, pray together and talk to Jesus, spend some time together. And uh, I, I'm, I'm excited now to share a little bit about uh, what the Lord has laid on uh, my heart uh, with you this morning. So, um, but before we dive in, I want to release the 4th through 6th graders, so we can go ahead and do that, and, and uh, love you guys, have a good time, um, give them a hand, it's, it's, it's really, the only one left was my sons, so we can just, <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so as we dive in this morning, we're going to dive into this blessing that we have just been singing about, and uh, hearing read over us, and um, but just for some context, uh, we kicked off January uh, in a new series, uh, kicking off 2023, in a series called Prayer for the Harvest. And so that we let the Word of God challenge us through Matthew 9 um, with a vision to pray to the Lord of the Harvest, to catch a vision for the way that He views the world, and then align our hearts with the way He sees the world and the way that He views it, and to, to Align our hearts with him and his great commission to engage and embrace those who are far from him into real gospel community. And so uh, I challenged you um, to identify one person, one person to ask um, for one person uh, who is to, to, to commit to pray for one person who is far from God but close to you to ask the Spirit of God to bring that person to mind, um, and and to begin to pray for them, and to ask God to open up opportunities to share the gospel, this good news of Jesus with them, and invite them into our church and gospel community. And so we're going to continue with that. Our, our, Our plan here is to catch his heart for the world, and to catch his heart even for the one, and maybe that one more, right? And to begin to pray that. And so we then looked at a parable that Jesus told about it's called the parable of the sower it's a parable Jesus told about how the gospel seeds are uh they're cast but often they're rejected by hard hearts and that seed can't get in because the hearts are hard or or they're also though received by cultivated and humble hearts and then rich and and then Pastor Bill they did a great job continuing in this vision for the harvest and praying for the harvest and so this morning we're going to continue in this series, but uh, whenever I plan out a series or whenever we, uh, I prepare a sermon series, I always open my hand to the way that the Lord wants to lead. Like, what does he want to say each week? Um, as you know, Scripture says that a man makes his plans, but the Lord orders his steps. And so I always kind of open my hand to say, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to speak over our church? And so as we stepped back and were praying, and um, I was leaning in and just asking God what he wants to say, this blessing kept coming to my mind. Couldn't shake it. This blessing. Number six, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance or his, his face upon you and give you peace. Say peace. You might need some peace this morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As I prayed over this blessing, as I prayed over this, as God kept putting this on my heart, I realized it captures our purpose as God's people in a fallen world. And it gets right to the heart of the Lord of the harvest. When you're praying for your one, or when you're praying for your children, when you're praying for those who are far from God, what are you praying? What is it that you want? What is it that God desires for their life? It's this 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 is the essence of what God desires for everyone in Christ and so I've learned man over the years as a pastor like the more we rally in any movement in any church in any setting whenever we begin to rally and unify around God's mission for his people there's almost always a temptation to fall into secondary distractions that would take our eyes off the main thing. It's almost inevitable. This is part of a, it's one of the main tactics I've seen of spiritual warfare. And so, this morning, I want to let this ancient blessing remind us of who we are, what we're called to, and galvanize us in the main thing. Is that good with you guys? And I want you to see that that's what this prayer of blessing is all about, that this is a prayer of blessing that God desires his people to receive in Christ and present to the world in Christ. And we're going to talk about this as we go, but the reality is, though, if you're not in Christ, this blessing does not pertain to you. But just as Christ is offered to you, so is this blessing. The question is, will you receive it? To live then as those blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to bless. This is the call of every real Christian. And so this morning, we're not just going to read through this blessing. We're going to pray through it. My hope is that you would receive this blessing over your own life and then you'd begin to pray it over the lives of those around you. I mean like over your spouse and your children and their children and their children and their family and their families and their just beyond our, in our church and other churches in and throughout our city and beyond. I'm talking like when you come up to the stoplight and somebody's sitting beside you there at the stoplight that you pray over them and you're going, Lord, bless them and keep them. May your face shine upon them because gracious to them. Lord, may, may your countenance, lift your countenance upon that random person that I don't know and give them peace. You think that would change things? Instead of up, pulling up beside somebody and being like, oh, but they hate God. Right? But sometimes when we, when, when we look at the world around us, sometimes that is how we get. We, 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 we think about the world in a way that's just kind of like, oh, We don't see as God sees. His heart, he sees a harvest. I want to catch a vision, and I think this blessing allows us to catch this vision. Because it gets right to the heart of the Lord of the harvest. This is the essence of what God desires. And so, again, I've learned over the years that when we begin to really rally around these things, there's distractions. And so I want to get back to the main thing, continue in the main thing. And this blessing is a blessing that God's called us to present in the world. And so as we pray through this, uh, Romans 12, verse 12, it says this, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in in prayer. Now, whenever we hear that, I, the scriptures actually speak to being constant in prayer or pray continuously multiple times. And sometimes it's like, what does that mean? Does that mean like I wake up in the morning and it's like, dear God, and then when I go to sleep, I say amen, and everything else is just a prayer? Right? Is that what that means? Maybe that's probably not a bad idea, right? Like, (laughs) I think, but there is, I don't think that's necessarily what it means. But what we do find is that scripture interprets scripture and it allows us to see what he's talking about. In fact, what we get in, uh, Ephesians, so the same guy that wrote Romans is the same guy that wrote also the letter to the Ephesians, and he gives us an example of what it means to be in constant prayer. In fact, the book of Ephesians, especially the first three chapters, is basically one big prayer meeting that he's invited the church he's writing to into Uh, experience with him like he talks about the gospel in he's like preaching or writing to them about the good news and who Jesus is and then suddenly he just gets filled with the spirit and launches into praying it over them it's like he just can't contain himself he just starts to pray over the people and then he goes back to talking about who Jesus is and the gospel and and what it's all about and then he goes again he's like I can't I'm just going to pray this over you right and it's just kind of like this constant sense of God's presence and talking to one another and God as if he's in the room because he is. And so this is part of what I want to cultivate in our hearts and to be aware of as we move forward. And so as we go through this, I'm gonna, we're going to drop back and begin to pray. Because if I've learned anything over the past decade or more of pastoring, it's that I've got nothing without prayer. Nothing. In fact, it's really all I've got. And yet, through prayer, we tap into the power of God Almighty, who is more than enough. Amen? And so, before we go any further, though, I do want to make it clear. Again, this blessing does not apply to those who are outside of Christ. It does not apply. It's offered. That's the point. Just as Christ is offered, just as Christ has offered salvation to the world so he offers this blessing but it's only realized in Christ because the whole point of this blessing is about restored relationship in true reconciliation with God Almighty which brings true and total peace. And that's only available to those who have received the name above all names by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And So again, this prayer of blessing is a prayer for the harvest because it can only be received and realized through grace by faith in Christ. So we'll talk about this more as we go. But for now, let's dive in here. Look with me at Numbers chapter 6, Old Testament book of Numbers. Um, Numbers chapter 6. And we're going to walk through verse 22 through 27. And here's what I want you to get this morning. If you get nothing else, this is what I want you to get. You guys ready? God himself is the ultimate blessing. God himself is the ultimate blessing. Knowing God, enjoying God, being delighted in by God and sharing him with others has always been the point. It's always, and when I say always, I mean it's always been the point. In fact, this blessing is over 3,000 years old. This is the Old Testament blessing. This is an ancient blessing that people in the Old Testament, they held on to. They held on to tightly in life and even in death. They held on to this blessing. It's an ancient blessing given by God to Moses, who was then to proclaim this blessing over his brother, whose name was Aaron, who was the high priest. And then it was through Aaron over and, and the priesthood, which were Aaron's sons, they would then proclaim this, they were to proclaim this over all of God's people, and it all took place, the original context of this was an extreme difficulty. Okay? Like this blessing came to them while they were journeying through the desert. And so the Lord is teaching them in this time frame, and I say in this time frame, he's still teaching us, what it means to turn from ourselves and look to him for every ounce of our provision, our protection, and identity. And for a people who had no certainty other than God because they were just delivered from slavery in Egypt and now they're walking through the wilderness and he's saying, I want you to trust me, I want you to look to me. They had no certainty other than God. They had no prosperity other than God's promises. They had no protection other than God's hand and they had no direction other than God's leading. It was blatantly apparent to them in the wilderness. I wonder if that's apparent to you now in the wilderness that we walk in now as sojourners even in Virginia Beach. He is still all we've got, guys. And that's you, he is more than enough, though. Right? And the only identity they had ever known was slavery. Until God set them free by the blood of the Lamb. Which, yes, that is how God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. It was through the blood of the Lamb. And now he's calling them his own. Not just my servants. You're mine. I love you. You see, it's in this context that God gives this ancient and beautiful blessing over his people, and it's just as relevant and powerful for us now as it was for them then, because we are now sojourning ourselves through our own wilderness and headed unto and into the ultimate promised land. And so for 3,000 years now, generations of God's people have prayed and even sung this blessing over one another because it's easy to forget and we grasp at the heart of this in fact this blessing is actually the oldest surviving biblical inscri- inscription that we have in 1979 a little tidbit for you in 1979 just outside of the city of jerusalem an archaeological team discovered two tiny little silver scrolls about the size of a small smartphone And they'd fallen out of an ancient tomb that dated back to the 7th century B.C. That's 700 years before Christ. And when they unrolled the silver scrolls, they found this blessing inscribed on the silver in ancient Hebrew. This is what they valued. And this is what he wanted close to him in the tomb, was this blessing. This is what he held on to. This is what they held on to, God's people. This is what we as God's people have held on to for thousands of years in life and in death. This blessing has been valued and passed down through God's people for millennia. And yet, it's never been more relevant than it is for us today. And yet it's also never been more forgotten, overlooked, or dismissed than it is by us today. not this morning. I want to reclaim it. I want you to receive it. I want to to bolster and fortify and unify his people for his kingdom and his purpose. Let's look at verse 22. Number six, verse 22, it says this, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. And so this blessing is, again, through the prophet Moses, to the high priest Aaron, and then through the priestly order, which were Aaron's sons, over the people of Israel, God's covenant people. That's why this is known as the Aaronic blessing, not the ironic blessing, right? Like it's almost some people, if you don't have a full understanding of the Old Testament, you might think this is ironic because you think God is full of wrath. How could he be asking God's people to proclaim that his face shine upon them? That seems almost ironic, but it's not. It gets to the heart of what God is about, and we understand that even his wrath is filled with his love. That's a whole other sermon. We might go there, though. So this is the power of this blessing. It was intended to be proclaimed over God's priestly order, but not only over them. It was to, intended to be proclaimed through them. You see how it's passed down? It's intended to be, the, it's, it's intended to be passed on, received and passed on which makes it especially relevant for us and for you if you are in Christ because you're not only a part of God's covenant people you are all now a part of his royal priesthood when it talks about the priests and their call to then proclaim it to the people he's talking about the church he's talking about you he's talking about Christianity First Peter 2.9 New Testament Okay, this is after Christ has risen from the grave conquered death in the grave and he has set his people apart, and this is what he says to the church, 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. You see it? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Say Proclaim come. Say proclaim. Proclaim. (laughs) And so that means that you're not only called to receive this blessing for yourself in Christ, but you're also called to be a conduit of it to others. Not just the pastors, the church, right? And so this is what we're called to do. You have been blessed to bless. This is the heart of who we are as God's grace-bought and spirit-filled people. So back in Genesis 12, Way back in Genesis 12, way before Moses and before Aaron, God drew near to a man named Abram, and he befriended him. You know him as Abraham. God befriended him, and he gave him a whole new identity and changed his name to Abraham from Abram. It's actually the insertion of the ruach, which is the word for spirit or breath. He's identified him in himself. That goes from Abram to Abraham, or Abraham, I don't know if it's whatever. So he established this covenant with him, okay? And he blesses him and his offspring, but he didn't just bless them so that they would be great. Really important. He didn't just bless Abraham and his offspring Israel so that they would be awesome and great and lifted high. He blessed them to be a blessing to the world. Everywhere Israel goes awry, a, 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 a rye, astray (laughs) throughout the scriptures, it's because they lose sight of that reality. They lose sight of their purpose, that they've been blessed not just for themselves, but as a blessing, okay? And this is the same for the church. We're not just blessed for ourselves, we're blessed to be a blessing. And so all of this is ultimately fulfilled through the new covenant that we now have in Jesus Christ. So as they looked forward to what Christ would do for them, we now look back to what Christ has done for us, and the cross becomes the centerpiece of all eternity. And so here we are, and we look at this blessing now, and, and I wanted to see even that the structure, just the structure of this blessing carries power. It's not just a paragraph Right? Just in, in, uh, like all the other paragraphs in the writings. It's actually a well crafted poem that's designed to be memorized and received and hidden in our hearts and then repeated and even sung. And if you see it in the original Hebrew, you can see that it stands out in that way. It's even it, it's structured uh, and, and clear in the original Hebrew. In fact, the first line in verse 24 where it says, The Lord bless you and keep you, is actually just three words in Hebrew. And then the second line, verse 25, where it says the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you is actually five words in Hebrew. And then the third line in verse 26 where it says the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace is seven words in Hebrew. So the way that it's structured is clearly intentional. Even at first glance in the Hebrew, the blessing this blessing would stick out with intention. Each line increases by two words, and it also would increase with two syllables in the original Hebrew. The first line was 12 syllables, the second 14, and then the third 16. So it would have a repetitive rhythm that we were to tap into. It's like the rhythm of God's heart and this blessing that he has declared over his people and that we are to declare to the world. And so, in other words, God designed it to be memorized, received in our hearts, and then spoken over one another, even sung The Lord bless you and keep you. May his face, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And you see here, notice that it's the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and to give you peace the Lord the Lord the Lord three times in this it's not just the Lord and then we've got implications it's the Lord he's he's repetitively intentionally declaring the name of Yahweh in the Hebrew it's his name and his name is repeated these three times to make it clear this is all about the Lord the Lord It's not about you. He loves you. What an honor to be included and brought in and invited. But this is about him. He's the point. He's the source of all that's good and blessed in life. And so again, the presence and person of God himself has always been the point. It's always been about knowing God, enjoying God, being delighted in by God. And that's only possible through Christ. Also, if you remove God's name, or the Lord, or Yahweh, from this blessing, in the original Hebrew, you'd be left with only 12 words, which was actually an intentional reference to the 12 tribes of Israel, which were God's covenant people. And so God is speaking to his covenant people here, and he's repetitively reminding them that his gracious person and presence is both the root and the fruit of all their blessings. Remove that, and it's all just temporary. And it's all just going to rot, spoil, and even poison. Remember, Jesus in Matthew 5, he even put it like this He said, God makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. But for those who love God and are called to his purposes, it's different. It's not just temporary, it's eternal. And Romans 8.28 tells us that for those who love God and are called to His purposes, that all things, say all things, work for their good. There's some peace in that. There's some serious peace in that. And all of those good gifts and blessings from Him, they don't find their end in you where they rot and spoil we're able to trace them back to their full fulfillment, their ultimate fulfillment, which is in Him. In other words, we don't just enjoy the gift. Every gift then points us to the giver. Every blessing is designed to draw us deeper into the blesser because He is the true blessing. Knowing God, enjoying God, and being delighted in by God, and sharing God, what we've tasted in him, that's that's the point. As John Piper famously puts it, God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him. Now let's take an even closer look at the substance of this blessing, because yes, it does get even cooler. Verse 24, it lays it out for us, right? Right at the gate, the Lord bless you, say bless. And keep you, say keep. See, Siri can't handle you. (laughs) See, Siri can't do it. Only the Lord can. (laughs) And so, what we see is in verse 24 the Lord bless you and keep you. And so that's the structure for the next few verses. Like what it's going to tell us now is it's going to expand and explain what it means. Verse 25 is going to speak to what it means to be blessed by the Lord. And then verse 26 is going to speak to what it means to be kept by the Lord. And so as a framework for the rest of our time, we're going to look at what it means to be blessed by the Lord, kept by the Lord, and then we're going to close by looking at verse 27, which then is going to uh, tell us what it means to carry the name of the Lord. Okay? And so first, what does it mean to be blessed by the Lord? Well, this world has a lot of definitions for what it means to be blessed. Verse 25 tells us what it actually means to be blessed by the Lord. And it says this, the Lord, this is what it means to be blessed. You ready? The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Like when people talk about being blessed, most of the time they talk about the stuff or the things that God's given them, right? And that's not bad necessarily, especially if they're tracing it back to him. And they're grateful and they're thankful. That is beautiful. That's, that's not a bad thing. In fact, that's a big part of being blessed by the Lord, especially if you're a former slave coming out of slavery in this context and currently sojourning in a desert wilderness. Like any good thing that you have is going to be gratefully traced or should be gratefully traced to its source. And insofar as the Israelites did not do that, that's when they began to sin against God because they started grumbling and complaining. And you see all this stuff and they start losing the fact that all they have that's good is from him. And so Leviticus 26 even details the manifold nature of God's blessings over his people, which included earthly and temporary things like rains. You want some rains if you're in the desert, right? Harvest, produce, Peace in the land and victory in battle. Being fruitful and multiplying through offspring and storehouses of resources. Leviticus 26 details all of that as part of God's blessings upon his people. But again, those things weren't the primary blessing. The ultimate blessing that God provides his people with is and has always been himself. When we lose sight of that, those blessings will rot. They will spoil and they will poison. Leviticus 26, verse 11 through 12, it puts it like this. I'm telling you, man, Leviticus will preach. Okay? Verse 11, I will make, this is God speaking, I will make my dwelling among you and my soul shall not abhor you and I will walk among you and will be your God and you shall be my people. See, earthly and temporary blessings can be taken away. But this is all ultimately fulfilled in Christ. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. His promise to never leave nor forsake you. That's the heart of this blessing. It's always been the point. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Be quiet, Siri. Look at that. Hand-eye coordination, my wife has. You see that? (laughs) So after, like, the Lord make His face to shine upon you after a long gloomy winter, when the sun comes out, there's this feeling of rest and restoration. There's this sense of finally. You ever been there? Like, we're getting ready. Apparently, according to the weather, we're about to like get a gloomy week incoming. If you didn't know that, sorry. We pray against it, maybe I don't know. But and then when it comes out, and you're just like, oh, it's like the sun on your face. Just this finally. That's the picture being illustrated here for us. And it's that of God's delight moving toward us through his presence, like a radiant smile. Not because we deserve it, but simply because he loves you. Because of Jesus, he not only sees you, he, don't, he doesn't just see you. He dotes on you he shines upon you he draws near and he does so actively intentionally and graciously even when you don't deserve it i mean what a blessing the real question is though will you receive it Or will your self-righteousness bubble up so heavily into pride or shame that says, I will not receive his delight until I can earn it? Will you receive his delight? Nothing illustrates this blessing better than the gospel. The gospel itself is the illustration of this blessing being, his, his, his face shining upon us, being gracious to us. Meeting us, making it, come the Lord coming to us. This is the gospel. God became a man. He—he he, In our sin, He could have left us. Completely justified. We abandoned Him. But He didn't pass us by. He turned toward us. And He made His face to shine upon us. And He's gracious to us. He became a man, and and he lived the life we couldn't live, and he died the death we deserve to die, took the punishment we deserve on the cross, went to the grave, conquered death in the grave, that distance that we deserve. He conquered it through the resurrection, and he paved the way to eternal life with God Almighty, that restored relationship bridging the gap through the resurrection and the ascension. And and because of that, the light of his presence and person through the Holy Spirit not only shines on us, but fills us from the inside out, not because we're perfect, but because we're perfectly loved and perfectly justified because of Christ. And he graciously exposes then and casts out the sin and darkness that's in our hearts. He says, that's not who you are anymore. That's not who you are anymore. I'm going to expose it. It's going to be convicting. It ain't going to be easy but I'm going to expose it, I'm going to cast it out. And in that process, he calls us to behold his grace and his truth in repentance and in love. He draws us near as he draws near to us and he roots us in our true identity as his beloved by declaring, I am for you and I'm not against you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Like, even in our weakness and our shortcomings, He is for us, and He uses it all for our good, and He casts out anything that would pull us away or hinder love. And you need to get this. I want you to get this. When God disciplines those He loves, as a father disciplines His children, what He's doing is He's removing things and sin in your life that would hinder love. That's what it's about. So God, we pray. God, I pray over our people. Lord, I I pray over our church that you would make your face to shine upon them. God, be gracious to us. Draw us unto yourself. Warm our affections for you and that which you love most. Lord, melt our hearts of stone into soft soil, humble and ready to receive your presence and your person and purpose in grace and in truth. God, make your face shine upon these people. Remove any sin or hard-heartedness that hinders love and shower us with the grace that cultivates those receptive hearts to receive your shining delight. God, we pray over our families and our children, the children that are downstairs right now, the children that are in this room, the children that are even yet to be born, and we pray over our city, and we pray over the churches that are gathering together this morning throughout our city. God, I pray that you would shine upon them, that you would ignite within them and within Risen a revival that wells up in your churches and overflows and saturates our city for generations, thousands of generations, God that we would be kept in the warm light of your face and your grace, and that your, our hearts would be drawn to you as your people, blessing one another and receiving blessings and walking in this beautiful grace and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. We're not done yet, though. I told you, we're in constant prayer here. We're going to keep going here, all right? On to verse 26 and what it means to be kept by the Lord. Say kept. Kept. Number six, verse 26. Here we go. The Lord lift up his countenance or face upon you and give you peace. Again, there's action here concerning his, his expression, his face, his delight, his disposition. It's turning toward you lifting up upon you you ever been around someone whose face is just sort of curmudgeoned all the time right like you know you don't know what's going on like it's like they're just kind of disgusted or annoyed with everything and everyone around them it it can feel cold right it feels cold like like you clearly don't want anyone around and 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 that like hear me that is often how people perceive the face of god Even his grace bought spirit-filled people, his children whom he loved and died for. That is not how God is toward his people. Like many perceive God as being cold, distant, or even disgusted. And outside of the grace of God, hear me, outside of the grace of God in Jesus Christ, that is actually true. All the more reason to be completely blown away by the fact that He turns towards us and came and died for us. What a blessing! Like, if, if you are not in Christ, then you, He is not for you because you're against Him. Outside of Christ, we are all enemies of God according to the Word of God. And yet, and Yet, even in our sin and rebellion, Jesus died for us. Guys, I don't know why. It just, it, it, honestly, it blows my mind away. And you know what it blows my mind away with? His love. How magnificent his grace truly is. He even even loves his enemies and draws near in Christ to offer salvation and to offer this blessing. And he's also chosen to offer it through you who have received it. This is how God so loves even a fallen and rebellious world that he gave his only son that they would have everlasting life. God's desire is that all would repent and receive this blessing in Christ. But not all will receive it. But in Christ, man, we experience the warmth and delight of God's loving, doting, accepting face of grace, which is the only thing that can ever really, truly bring us peace. So, man, I pray you get this. I pray you get this. Risen Church, look how different would this world be? How different would our city be if we all really received and operated out of this blessing? Like, think about that. Like, if we lived from this place of love, security, acceptance, and approval, like, what would it look like? I'm not talking about religious associations or theological platitudes. I'm talking about receiving the warmth of his shining delight upon you like the noonday sun. Like, I'm talking about receiving your identity in Christ, no longer living ashamed because of what you're not, but living beloved because of who he says you are. And hear me. That's the only thing that will truly transform you. That's the only thing that will truly transform you from the inside out. I'm going to say that again. Not living ashamed because of what we're not. That's not how he's called you to live. He's called you beloved, and he's called you to live out of who he says you are. Because the truth is, is that when we're disciplined by our Father in heaven, it's because we're acting like someone he says we are not. He's act, we're acting out of an identity that he says, that's not who you are. And he brings conviction. And he brings us into this place where he exposes it and says, that's not who you are. That, if you feel that disgustingness, it's because it's the disgustingness with the old man. If you're in Christ, that's not who you are. And he says, put it to death as I died for it already. Die to it. That's not who you are. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. And so he calls us out of sin. And when he does, it's not because it's, it it is because that's not who you are. It's his spirit that in those times, in those moments, it's comforting because it's his conviction that guards, protects, convicts, and identifies us with his love and with our identity in him and removes anything that would hinder that love and intimacy. This is the gospel because he's with you and he's for you. He'll not abandon you to the dark and the cold. He has not and will not abandon you even to yourself. He's holding on to you. You're not just holding on to him. This is what it means to be kept by the Lord. Man, I I pray you receive this. Like I pray our children, don't you want your children to get that? like if you've got kids and you think about like one thing that they get don't you want them to get this blessing in their hearts deep like I, I pray our children get this and i pray that our spiritual children get this i pray that the random person beside you at the stoplight gets this on your way home you all going to see that person you're going to start praying for him i'm telling you <laughs> One of my favorite lyrics of all time comes from In Christ Alone, the song In Christ Alone, and it says, No power of hell nor scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. There's a lot of peace and security there. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what circumstances you may be facing, in your weeping and in your rejoicing, if you're in Christ, he is for you. He's not against you. There is a blessing even in difficulty, and you know what that blessing is? His presence a man named rich velotus i still don't know how to pronounce that name um he puts it like this he says lamenting is the spiritually mature response to sadness and sorrow our spiritual aliveness is not found in our ability to suppress our sadness our spiritual aliveness is found in our ability to bring it to god Even in the grief and difficulty, trial and tribulation, he'll meet you with the warmth of his risen son. And the expression on his face is that of grace and truth, delight and love. He's a keeper, he's a protector, and he's a guardian. And all of that may, in fact, come with a rod of discipline that says, come close to me. There's wolves over there. This is why Psalm 34, 18, it doesn't just say the Lord sees the brokenhearted. It says he draws near to the brokenhearted. This is the, the God that we serve. I mean, what a blessing. Psalm 121, verse 7 through 8 says this, The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore will you receive it. That's the question. Will you receive it? And then the culminating and final word of this blessing is the word to be finally spoken over all of God's people for all time. This, word, this blessing culminates with this final word, peace. Say peace. The prince of peace, guys, is going to have the final word over his people. Amen? This is our certain future in Christ and because it's our certain future, it can also be our certain present. Because that reality speaks to our current reality. Even in the midst of difficulty. And again, who knows the word for peace in Hebrew? Anybody? Shalom. Shalom. The person and presence and shining face of God Almighty blesses us with shalom. And that means full, holistic restoration in need of nothing because we're saturated in the substance of all goodness and blessing and we are at peace. This is the cry of every heart, every human heart. Just as the multitude of angels declare to the shepherds in the Bethlehem fields on the night Christ was born in Luke 2, verse 14, he said, they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth Peace. Peace among who? Those with whom he is pleased. That's what brings us peace. You see, in this world, it's easy to lose sight of his delight, which means it's easy to lose sight of his peace. We start to focus on what we're not instead of who he says we are. And then we start striving to earn or comparing and criticizing or trying to find approval in the things and people of this world our own ability to be good enough or impressive, but the only place we can find peace is in the grace and love of God in Jesus Christ. If you want peace, then you've got to look to the Prince of Peace. You've got to receive the light of his delight, not because of what you have or have not done, but because of what he has done for you, and then you let him transform you from the inside out. And listen to me. Guys, you never graduate from this truth. You never, like, oh, I got it. There's nobody in here who's like, yeah, I don't struggle with that at all. Received Jesus a long time ago. Totally delighted in. This is a struggle. No matter how long you've walked with Jesus or how mature you think you are in Christ, true peace is only found by continually receiving his love and grace. That's why we got to hide this thing in our hearts and remind one another of it. Not just remind one another of it or speak it over one another, sing it over each other. Pray it over each other. Like, Don't look at people and be like, man, they all have peace, I don't. I'm the only one here that doesn't. That's not true. In fact, I would encourage you to take your eyes off yourself and start praying it over other people, and you might find that you run smack into the Prince of Peace in the process. Because this is what this whole blessing is about. Like, I don't have this figured out. In fact, I, I, I would say, guys, I'm, I ask for your prayers in this that God would meet me in this place. I'm asking for that. Please don't think that just because I'm up here preaching this that I've like, I've mastered it, right? Like this is the struggle. This is why we have to continually look to his word and to his presence to be reminded of these truths and who he says we actually are. As Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Philippians 4, verse 4 through 7, it puts it like this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, you might even say keep, your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if you think that God is irritated with you, if you think he's ashamed or disgusted by you, guys, you're not going to come to him with your thanksgivings and supplications. You're not. If you think he's just disgusted with you, if you think that his sacrifice on the cross was not enough for you, which that's pretty arrogant, by the way, to think that any sin or anything that you could do is too much for the sacrifice of the son of God to pay for. Right? Right? but but this world will convince us otherwise and so you, when you come to him and you place your you look at his love and his grace if you don't do that then you'll just stew in your own anxiety until it becomes bitter legalism just trying to clean yourself up before approaching him with anything Guys, that's a false gospel of self-righteousness, and it only breeds pride or shame and superficial religion that's focused on your abilities or inabilities. Tim Keller put it like this, legalistic remorse says, I broke God's rules. True repentance, though, says, I broke God's heart. The implication there is that his heart is broken because he loves you. It's not just about you acting good. It's about you being restored into relationship with the God who loves you and loving him back and receiving his love because we love him because he first loved us. Otherwise, God's just a slave master in your eyes rather than a good, gracious father. But Jesus declares, come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's from that place that he transforms us. He offers this blessing to all who would receive it. It's the blessing of grace and peace. And it's no coincidence, guys, that it's the most common introduction to the New Testament letters from both the Apostle Peter and Paul, you see it throughout the New Testament when the epistles are open or those letters that they're writing to the early church, almost, they often begin with something like grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Or the introduction of each one of these is, a, is an echo of that ironic blessing. They're capturing it, grace and Peace. So God, I pray that you would meet us in the weeping and the rejoicing. God, shine upon your people with the light of your delight and give us peace, shalom. Draw us into the throne of grace with thanksgiving and supplication in all circumstances, Lord. Give us a vision of the world around us as you see it. Give us a vision of ourselves as you see us. That we would humbly receive this and operate as your beloved, desiring you above all else. In Jesus' name, amen. And finally, what does it mean to carry the name of the Lord? Number six, verse 27, last verse. So shall they, which is talking about the priests, put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. So a priest is a mediator between God and humanity. And because what Christ has done for us, because of what Christ has done for us, he's called all who receive the grace that he offers through faith in Christ to then operate as royal priests to a fallen world. Mediators. That means you, you, you become authoritative mediators of this blessing unto all those who would receive it. He's chosen you, and he's invited you to become conduits of this good news and this blessing unto the world. Of course, we can't make people receive his blessing, but we are called to offer it and proclaim it and to pray it over them and to make it available to them in Christ. But first, that means receiving it ourselves, right? Receiving this blessing in Jesus' name, receiving your new identity as a new creation in Christ, in Jesus' name— there's a guy named Martin Luther, the, the, the famous reformer, and he famously wrote um, about what he called the beautiful exchange. And he describes what happens when we receive the grace of God in Christ um, by faith, and he used the language of covenant marriage. And he talked about how when a bride marries her groom, all that is hers becomes his, and all that is his becomes hers. And he gives her his name and his identity and his inheritance— His father becomes her father. This is a picture of the church, the bride of Christ. So in the same way, when we receive Christ, it's like a marriage. All that is ours becomes his. All of our sin, all of our wretchedness, all of our failure and all of our debt becomes his and he willingly takes it upon himself and he nails it to the cross and he covers our debt and our shame. And all then that is his, whoo, This is the part people don't like because it's too good to be true. Seems like it. But it's the most true thing ever.
1: All that is his
0: becomes ours. You don't deserve it. But it doesn't matter. His inheritance of the kingdom becomes yours. His sonship with the father becomes yours. Even resurrection, eternal life, and ascended authority becomes yours in Jesus' name. We're blessed with his name. It's the name above all names, and we carry this name into a fallen and cold world, and we bring with it the light of life. And so this blessing is not designed to end with you. We've been called to receive it and to sing it over one another and our children and their children and those far from God so that they can know the grace and the peace of God in Jesus Christ. Let's pray, and the band can come up. So if you would, would you stand with me? Just stand with me. And I just want to pray this over you. And I actually want to pray over you some powerful lyrics from a song that's actually called In Jesus' Name. So God, we, we thank you. God, I thank you for this blessing. I pray that we would receive it in the deep recesses of our being. That we wouldn't just memorize it, but that, we would, that it would overflow and saturate into every area of our lives and we would walk with the name of Jesus. And so, God, now I speak the name of Jesus over these people. I, I speak the name of Jesus over you. In your hurting, in your sorrow, I ask God to move. I speak the name because it's got all, all that I can do. And so in desperation, I'll seek heaven and pray this for you. I pray for your healing, that circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen even today. And I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' name. I speak the name of all authority, declaring blessings and every promise that he's faithful to keep. I speak the name no grave could ever hold because he's greater, he's stronger, he is the God of possible. And I pray for revival, for restoration of faith. I pray that the dead would come to life in Jesus' name. And so God, may the people of Risen Church who are called by your name, may they live as an unhidden city on a hill, conduits of life to this world, of love and grace and peace to Virginia Beach. God, I pray now that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.